0: podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting i'm your host calvin and joining me from elsewhere it's your co-host nick richardson
1: greetings from elsewhere
0: how's the divine nonchalance over there it's fucking tight bro tight as shit (laughs) divine nonchalantly divine it's divine as shit so we are taking time today for all of you who have not been inducted into the jejun institute uh which uh, we'll talk about in a minute but the the crux of it is the amc show dispatches from elsewhere led by jason siegel uh, was based on this real world uh, let's call it a game i guess and uh so we're going to kind of talk about what happened in the real world what the point of that was what happened in dispatches from elsewhere uh there will be spoilers that i will try to like that we will try to say before we go into spoilers from dispatches from elsewhere in case you want to watch it because it is a super interesting show and it's a well done show. Um, and I encourage you that if you haven't seen it to go watch it, cause it's a lot of fun to, to get lost in. Um, and we're going to kind of compare the real world stuff to what happens in the show and kind of work our way through this game. If you can call it that, this experience, this trip way of life. Yes. Um, but it's definitely interesting. So let's start out with what is the Jejeune Institute? Um, that's J-E-J-U-N-E, Jejun. Um It's, uh, the, the way it's explained in itself is its attempt to socio, socio-re-engineer humanity through technological advancement. Uh, It's run by this guy, Octavio Coleman Esquire. He's a pimp. Weird weird guy, yeah. (laughs) Mega Uh, pimp. And, uh, go ahead. I was going to say,
1: he's got David Koresh vibes. Like, hard.
0: Yeah, he's he's got a lot of vibes. I don't know what to say about him. Um, But the best way to explain it is a mind-bending phenomenon where 10,000 people became inducted without ever quite realizing what they had signed up for. That's a shitload of people. That
1: is a lot of people. When you think about it, and we'll break it down for you, exactly why 10,000 people is a lot of people when it comes down to this, but...
0: I mean, 10,000 people
1: is a lot of people... Period. ...anywhere. Yeah. It's more than a Trump rally.
0: <gasps> oh, snap.
1: Yeah, you'll have to cut that out, probably. That's topical. we we'll get fucking...
0: No, I'm... Firebombed. Right. I don't care.
1: Bring it. Uh- <laughs> I always, I I really like the tagline that they mention repeatedly, and they're purveyors of nonchalance. Yes. I love that.
0: Exactly what they are. And they, on the other side of the coin, is the Elsewhere Public Works Agency, as you've heard. Nick is joining us from Elsewhere. um, And they are the pioneers of the nonchalance movement and the mortal enemies of the Jejun Institute, led by none other than Commander 14. Very mysterious guy. Uh, No one really knows a lot about him. Great accent. great accent and you know their their purpose was to help unlock the divine nonchalance within humanity through creativity so on one side you got the jejun institute looking uh to advance through technology and then the other side you got the elsewhere public works agency um, trying to use creativity to kind of advance and these were real entities at one point within this game
1: yeah they're 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 real entities in the sense that like they're I guess they exist I mean that's let's get the basis of fact there but well, okay let's like let's
0: explain what the game was the the game because I, I think if if we try and do this without explaining that first it's just gonna be confusing uh, the game it was an alternate reality game and basically it ran for over three years uh, like we said over 10,000 players. Um, that got inducted into the game without really knowing it, and then kind of had to follow through different clues and paths and just all kinds of weird shit, which we'll talk about more later, to get through this game and get to the end. They're all kind of working towards a common goal to figure out what was going on, and that the main crux of it was who is Ava. She was at the center of all this uh, in in the real world. Yes. Uh, she- she has a dispatches from elsewhere counterpart named Carla, and it, who's more Clara. or less the same thing. Clara, sorry, Clara, not Carla. Is it Carla? Uh,
1: I wrote uh, Carla down actually.
0: I thought it was I think, Clara. I think it is Clara. Better huh. look it up now. We really I, should know this.
1: I wrote Carla down too, which is dumb. I but Clara is the first thing that came to mind. But it, I I thought the concept of this was super cool like uh basically since i watched the show and and the documentary and this instant entity you know I further research what i could find i'm really interested in some alternate reality games they'll sound fucking sweet
0: well and it's it seems like it's a big phenomenon like i had never really heard of alternate reality games it is clara just to clear that up dope oh uh, but i had never really heard of these alternate reality games i had done like little scavenger hunts and stuff like that but not like this massive scale, 10,000 people participating over the course of three years and it all ends in one place. And like the the way they did this one was absolutely crazy and they went all out. Um, so when we say the Jejun Institute and the Elsewhere Public Works Society were real entities, they were only real within the scope of the game. And um, the players kind of had to choose sides because they were, like I said, mortal enemies. And you, know, it, you decide whether you wanted to advance through technological advancement or through creativity and that determined your path that you would take through the game and kind of who you would meet through the game and how you would interpret what happened to Ava
1: how you'd interpret it while getting to the same point which was right. different i mean it was to have it on this scale along with you know basically two separate paths for 10,000 you know let's just split it down the middle for 5,000 people each and the way they did it with these are super intricate clues they have like real office yeah. space and you know they're obviously hiring tons of people to associate with this game and Do
0: you think about how much money this
1: would cost oh my god it's insane mil- millions and that's that's what makes it really fascinating as well because it basically their induction takes place in the financial district which in san francisco so it's somewhere that's obviously to have something like this go down in a place like that was really neat
0: right and so like you said it's in san francisco there was a documentary made in 2013 Uh, the game ran from 2008 to 2011 and the documentary came out in 2013 and uh, that kind of explained how the game worked and why um, (laughs) you can check out the documentary it doesn't answer a whole bunch of questions um it, Not it's, really. i you know i was kind of going into it hoping to dive into the psyche of the game and what goes on in the gameplay and it really felt like it was mostly ex-participants talking about how confused they were the whole time
1: <laughs> just bewildered confused yeah. and then or and
0: every once in a while it would flash to the founder and he'd just be like well we we wanted them to feel confused that's like that oh, was so, the goal okay. but some <laughs> of them didn't get it man yeah uh, and He's we said there were 10,000 participants, but not those 10,000 didn't participate necessarily the whole time. Like You could just stop at any point if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I imagine they tracked that by like each participant received like a letter or I assume they all oh, received They were getting the phone letter. calls. They were getting emails. They were getting all kinds yeah, of communications. All kinds of, yeah, which is weird because they were basically geotagging them, I assume, mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form.
0: Tagging all these
1: people's phones and shit back then.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, 2008, there weren't really smartphones that that weren't as pervasive as they are now. Um, There's not a lot on the internet about this particular instance. I found maybe four or five articles, and all of them said pretty much the same thing. And I I figured, especially after Dispatches from Elsewhere came out, I figured there'd be this boon in stuff out there. And a lot of, we'd be able to research it a little deeper. And it was really hard to find a lot of this, so... For me, most of what I'm going to talk about either comes from the documentary or um, I found a good New York Times article called Interested in the jejun Institute, It's Too Late. Um, and then another article on Medium.com called A Game Called the jejun Institute, which was a blog by a person who participated and she just kind of runs through each step of the way. We're not going to get that deep into it, but it's it that's a better read, I would say, than watching the documentary.
1: Yeah, I had a really hard time finding anything it felt fake as shit
0: when i started mm-hmm. looking stuff up it felt like they were like, like we got duped again even the documentary feels like it's not like they're describing this thing that didn't actually happen like or, it's all or performance just, art
1: right right and they're acting like they never mm-hmm. said um you know they just they it's like they were reading lines almost fucking odd and it felt like they were all like Set up like you said. All the articles said the same fucking thing, and pretty much every link took you to one of those articles. It was like someone set it up deliberately to throw you off the trail.
0: And if you, if you go to there's in those articles there's a few websites referenced. If you go to any of those websites now after the game's over, they will just go to like a promo page for the documentary where you can find where to watch it and things like that. Um, so it 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 does feel like almost this game maybe never actually happened. Like
1: Blair Witch um, some Project.
0: Words, yeah. But we are going to go under the assumption that this game actually happened. Uh, the Dispatches from Elsewhere was a riff on that. Not a riff on it, but they, they kind of took it one step further and explored specifically what characters in the game might think and feel as they're progressing through the game, which was a really cool way to do it. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. Not quite.
1: I, I did want to say uh, I'm also pretty much going to be talking from the show the documentary yep. and i also found an article if you folks are interested on cardhouse.com um, slash where slash jejun, jejun um that's also a really good blog about someone else's experience through i think a separate aspect of the game
0: it would be funny if so i didn't read that article and you didn't read my article it would be funny that if we shared the articles back and forth and they were the exact same article just like posted in different people in different places by quote-unquote different people
1: few words then i would
0: really yeah i would really think this whole thing's a setup just to get people like us completely duped (laughs) dummies well the whole time we're watching the documentary i'm like that all right I'm, i'm starting to doubt the realness of this like it just didn't feel real and you look up stuff online and you can't find much it's it's weird that something this large has so little footprint
1: yeah but at the same time it's like that shit happens like
0: on a bigger scale and people never know i mean yeah i guess especially 2008 to 2011 you know the people doing this if they didn't bring a journal with them they're they've either got to go home and write a blog right away which i mean 2008 a lot of people probably had blogs but maybe they weren't doing that cuz they didn't know what they were into yet. They didn't know if they could share this information. You know, they just thought they got inducted into some secret society. They're not going to go share that right away. Right? Um the 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 lady in the one I read, she uh worked for 2K Games and was aware of alternate reality gaming at the time. So that's why she kind of knew right away that that's what she was in, but a lot of these people that went into it, like they thought they were inducted into a secret society. The the
1: the person I read just found a flyer and was like cool right. i think I'll okay, which is so.
0: i mean that they they found the the person i read found the same you know one of those flyers and responded to it the same way but but she kind of because she had worked with these types of games before she she knew what she was into once she got into it kind of thing i see i feel like that would take some of the fun out of it yeah if, if you know it's a game the whole time it definitely would let's go ava who is ava childhood in short it was fucked up a lot, a lot of news. crazy things going on her uh, her mom was kind of insane clearly part of the world of nonchalance um and her mom had vanished slash died when ava was a young girl and ava kind of became wild and troubled in her teenage years uh one of the videotapes shared with the participants um showed ava undergoing mind experiments in the jejun institute they were recording her dreams in a way that could make them reality. Uh, this is the Memories to Media platform that they advertised. And um, then one night, Ava vanished when her drunken friend scattered running from a cop car. And there was a homeless person who a lot of people thought harassed Ava and potentially kidnapped her. Um, also thought that this homeless person was in on the nonchalance movement. You know, nobody knows what was going on, but the whole game was this. Not a red herring, but the, the trail was to follow Ava's disappearance. And then in Dispatches from Elsewhere, Clara's disappearance, who had kind of the same lifestyle. She joined up with a group of friends who did these kind of street art, street performance things and try to beautify their neighborhood through creativity. And then one day, maybe she was kidnapped, maybe not, but she disappeared in, the, in very much the same way. Yeah. I mean, it was...
1: Con- is concurrent between a lot of people and that's that it, they looked at Ava as a really special person or at least in this framework like she was hyper creative and the way she viewed the world was was unique it was special and she she preached you know going to elsewhere I guess just mm-hmm. you know escape her reality in the here or the there and the way they explain it explain it's really interesting or at least I liked it um, but yeah i don't know i just thought of in the in the documentary they have this dude that's like blacked out and it's not obviously not his voice and he's in a wheelchair and he's the one who actually explains you know kind of breaks it down for you but that just fucking took me out of it It
0: it's weird yeah he he's the hardcore right that they wouldn't show his face and he got he was the one that got way too into it and fucked up and i think we should say that as, as far as we know Ava's not real and her disappearance was not real it was all a thread within the game um, just something for them to chase you know the, the players had to have a goal and but a lot of people didn't mm-hmm. take it that way you know and true crime's a huge thing right now they saw this as them solving a, a real crime and well, a lot of people when the game was over couldn't accept that Ava wasn't real like they thought Ava was still out there and they needed to find her
1: yeah, she needed them. She was one of them. Like, that's... Right. These are creative people who... And maybe don't necessarily... took her and destroyed
0: her, you know? Yeah,
1: she's a martyr. And it's a weird fervor to save someone that you feel like you can connect with or, you know, they thought was someone special. Or at least they were told that she was someone special.
0: Exactly. Um, And, you know, at the, through this game, I think a, a lot of people found themselves becoming more and more like her if they weren't already like her and you know they they found some of themselves in her and and didn't want to lose themselves in the same way she was lost right all right so let's break down the game of nonchalance that is the real life version of this uh also known as the institute or the jejun institute and we're going to take that and kind of compare the aspects to dispatches from elsewhere um that didn't really have a name for their game within that um but we're just going to kind of run through some different things and compare and contrast what happened in each one, how they were the same, how they were different, how we would react if we are in those situations. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So first, what is it? So for the game of nonchalance, as we've already said, it's an alternate reality game. Over the course of three years, enrolled more than 10,000 players who responded to eccentric flyers plastered all over the city, started the game by receiving their induction at a fake headquarters at the institute located in an office building. Um, again the documentary was made in 2013 that goes deeper into detail in some of this in Dispatches from Elsewhere it is again an alternate reality game but no one knows that going in and we don't know that going in and that was something that really interested me about this show is again had no background with the Jejun Institute or any of this stuff in San Francisco and the commercials did such a good job of of setting it up it it, you know it saw Jason Siegel looking at some of those flyers it showed Andre 3000 going into his conspiracy mind sometimes. It showed Sally Field talking with Andre's 3000. It's like there is something weird going on in this show and I need to figure out what it is.
1: Yeah, you you turned me on to this and I remember we've kind of briefly talked about it cuz I've been watching it over the past couple of weeks and you go into it blind and they just sweep your fucking feet out from under you almost. In right. very subtle ways, like
0: it, it had me on the edge of my seat, but completely relaxed. And right, you you feel like you're working through the game with the characters because we go in blind, but they also go in blind. It's right. not this thing where anyone knows what's going on.
1: Well, and they're they're people like Ava, like Clara, you know the the people like these ten thousand players, which we didn't right. know at the time, but it makes you feel a sort of way. I can never really put my finger on it.
0: it it's a sense of wonder almost and uh, exploration, but we weren't in the world to explore with them, right? It's, well, Fredwin could be onto something, or, you know, maybe Simone's right. Maybe Peter's right. You don't know. So uh, we have four main characters Peter, uh, who's played by Jason Siegel, Simone, who's played by Eve Lindley, Fredwin, who's played by Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin. Uh, Janice, who's played by Sally Field, and uh, they are set out to investigate clues about the June Institute and the elsewhere society as they discover their own divine nonchalance. Um, that would be my one sentence wrap up of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they, they, they're all kind of lost in their own lives in a certain way. And we get to place ourselves in their shoes. You know, are we a Peter, a Simone, a Fredwin, or a Janice? How would we work through the game or learn just following these clues? Because again, no one knows that it's a game.
1: Right. And you know, how do they interact? And they're, they're placed on a team together. Like that's kind of how it. It. And they could right. not be more different. Yeah. Like, so
0: all of the participants, all the let's say it's ten thousand people, just for comparison's sake, they all show up at like this fountain one night and they all get broken up into groups of four based on a color they they choose blue or red and they they end up in groups of four and this is our four that we follow through um and basically their goal is to find clara who is the keeper of divine nonchalance Um, janice believes the game is an elaborate prank simone uh is guessing that it's just a marketing stunt they're you know you're gonna get to the end of it and they're gonna sell you something right Fredwin insists that the whole thing is some high level conspiracy data mining operation, something like that and peter he suggests this but he also deep down because he's so unfulfilled in his life he wants that it's a real thing there's a real clara out there all the jejun institute is real the elsewhere society is real and they need to figure it out he needs it to be real yeah he needs it to be real more than it actually is real that's a good way to put it poor peter Yeah, Peter had a rough time with it. Super rough
1: time. Let me say, they were all beautifully played by the respective actors. Yes, the casting
0: was perfect. Fantastic. Which, just on the information that we've given so far, when you started episode one, who were you siding with most?
1: Honestly, I was siding with Peter the most.
0: Okay, so is that... Is that what you thought the end game was for the show? That it's all real? Or is that who you would see yourself at? You would be that person if you were caught up in this game.
1: I kind of saw a lot of myself in all four of them. but Yeah,
0: well, and I that's think, by design, I think.
1: Yeah, but really with you, you just, the way they frame it, you just identify with Peter. He fucking cries. <laughs> so it's just like, I f- Well, and he's, felt... he's the main, main character as well. Exactly. It's told I, from his point of view. I felt a lot for him. Like, Peter's like a goddamn allegory for depression. Like, he's like damn near the physical embodiment of depression. You know, he does the same thing every day. He eats the same meal. He takes the same route. He's rooted in routine. And I immediately saw that and was just like, damn, that's whack. And then
0: all of a sudden he, he takes a chance on something and responds to one of these flyers. And his whole life's turned upside down. He meets Simone, who kind of breaks him out of his shell. And he... She is a transgender woman, and he helps her accept herself a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Janice is a lonely old woman uh, whose husband is on his deathbed, and she has no one to confide in anymore. Fredwin is this conspiracy nut that you know, uh, tech guru kind of guy, tech genius. Thank you, and he, but he's also a conspiracy nut at the same time. Um, I. I think I saw myself siding with Peter the Mo. Like, if I was in it, that's who I would want to be. I would want to be the one that thinks it's real. Um, but I deep would also, down
1: knowing it's probably fake.
0: Deep like, down knowing. I would really, I, I would, I'm probably really closer to Janice and being like, all right, this is all fake, but let's have fun with it.
1: Yeah, but on the surface,
0: it's like, I'd really like this to be real. Just, I'm interested. I don't, I don't I want know someone what,
1: to be dead, but yeah, you know right. what I
0: mean. I don't think I would be full Simone where she like she knows in her heart that it's a marketing stunt but she's so full of life that she's just gonna enjoy the hell out of it and pretend that that's not in the back of her mind she's Uh, a a closeted cynic right And, and so she she overdoes it in the exuberance for the game she she wants to just go all in and do everything she can And I I think I'd be more Janice where it's like, okay, this is a prank. I'm not fully into – like, I know in my head that this isn't real. So, like, I'll I'll help you guys, but I'm not going to, like, help help you guys, you know? I'll be a part of the team, but I'm not going to go further than that. But as far as what I thought the show was setting up, I thought in the beginning that Fredwin was right. And that was kind of the thread I wanted to follow the most is, like, all right, how are they using this – as a conspiracy like I want to watch them unravel this vast conspiracy and they kind of do but it's also a conspiracy that they were led to unravel specifically fabricated
1: for them you know, for entertainment purposes
0: and the reality and the show the creator of the game in the show even kind of goes a step further and sees that they're going down that path and sees that they kind of need the game to be more than it is and goes above and beyond most participants get one story and she kind of creates a alternate alternate reality game for them to unravel their own way which was yeah. I, I thought it was kind of cool addition i thought it was pretty
1: pretty cool too it was she was the creator was excited by them like their exactly. interest it, their it gave her more creativity like it took
0: a certain level of creativity just to create the game and get people involved and then watching them work together and solve the problems that she set up, made her want to expand the game. Now, she basically did like a uh, Magic the Gathering expansion pack for them. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the creators. For the game of Nonchalance, it was a Oakland-based artist named Jeff Hull. Uh, and he wanted to give something, you know, some. he wanted people to take in the city more than they were. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit, but that was kind of his thought. And then in Dispatches from Elsewhere, uh, this is kind of a spoiler, but it's this woman named Lee who is also a personification of the Clara character. Um, She kind of reveals at the end that she was Clara and it was her, Clara was her creative side and she feels like she sold out and betrayed that in pursuit of business success with you know whatever else she did uh beyond that yeah respect money right so this was a way to kind of get back to her roots she missed the kid in herself exactly um when and where did the game take place uh with the game of divine nonchalance in real life we said san francisco 2008 to 2011 dispatches from elsewhere took place in philadelphia i want to say like 2019 it was probably when it was, it was filmed, and we'll I just say so, it yeah. was contemporary. They 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 all had their smartphones. They weren't trying to hide anything like that. They weren't trying to make it seem like it was older than it is. A, it, we'll say 2019. Some, some aspects felt very like, retro. Yeah, and that, and that was by design because I read somewhere, I, I believe it was in that blog post, that that's how the actual jejun institute was set up it was very retro 70s feeling whenever they were in these buildings that were set up to be part of the institute mm. that they were using outdated technology to do new technological advancements huh. okay so um why did they create the game so for the institute Uh, In the documentary, Jeff Hall, he points out that he would visit this children's playground that it was either based on or he just said it felt like it was um, like Alice's trip into Wonderland. And it was this small space, but you could go through these kind of tunnels. And it would open up to these different spaces within the park. And so it it made it feel huge because you could kind of go into these places within the smaller space and there was just so much to take in and notice and he wanted to make that exist on a larger scale he, he figured there's so much in the world that goes unnoticed he wanted to see if he could make people notice the world for what it was stop and take it in right and and just explore things that you never explore like you walk past a building every single day on your way to work in san francisco we don't know where i live you don't walk to work but I imagine there's happens. some people in San Francisco that walk to work, or they take that little trolley thing, or you know whatever, and you walk past the same building every day, and you don't even notice it. So he was trying to make you notice those things. Yeah, I thought that was uh, it's a very that's an interesting concept. It's a it's a noble thing to do, I suppose. <clears throat> and it it seemed like it was. I mean, uh, obviously the game was sprawling and immense and huge, but for the participant, it seemed like it was easy enough things to accomplish to to notice some of these things and to open yourself up to them especially for
1: like a a more creative person who's willing to to take a dive off the deep end and Mm kind of open their mind to some strange shit this was like perfect for them
0: exactly uh so for dispatches from elsewhere again some spoilers here if you're either in the middle of the show haven't watched the show just be aware i don't think even the spoilers here they don't really kill the ride of the show Maybe a little bit if you know it's a game the whole time, but... I don't know. Uh, uh... I think you could still enjoy it for what it is, because it's really well done, it's well acted, and you do get engrossed in the characters and their journey.
1: Regardless, it's super
0: interesting. And the the journey, it's a character-driven journey. It's not necessarily, okay, we have to find out what happens to Clary. It is that, but the characters have so much growth within this short period of time that it feels like that's that's why you're watching that's why you're staying tuned you want to see how these characters get to their conclusions not necessarily just that they figure out what happens to clara right uh so brief spoilers here maybe uh this the game was designed in in dispatches from elsewhere uh to help lee connect with the creative side of herself um she wanted to strengthen the idea of community being able to help solve your problems and she wanted people to indulge in noticing the world around them and sharing that with their community, much like the real world example. And this is something that I picked up on. I don't necessarily know if it was a point made by the creators or if it was a point made by Jason Siegel, who wrote most of the, the uh, I don't know, it's not a screenplay, I guess, but he, adaptation? he wrote, yeah, he wrote the adaptation uh, for this. It, to me, it was a social experiment to prove that the smallest decision, choosing a color, can lead you into a community that becomes just this echo chamber, and basically you can create an enemy out of almost thin air. And with the right factors, you can be manipulated into believing anything and can continue to believe that no matter what. You know, Their first task was to choose blue or red, Um, half of them chose red half of them chose blue and uh, the ones that chose red they were led down the path to believe that Jejun was this great institute with only one goal to help people through technology the other half chose blue and they were led on a path that made them believe that Jejun was evil and maybe they even killed someone and then they had to go to war right and so spoilers for the end of it uh, the two sides legitimately hated each other and the whole thing was made up out of thin air but they they hate each other they're ready to go to war there are protests and counter protests one team had to steal something the other team had to try and get it back they were they almost had to kidnap the guy like they went so far to disassociate from each other just based on the simple decision of choosing a color and i think that probably says a lot about our world right now uh but through this process they also learned that By working together they could solve their problems and in the end they realized that if the two teams had worked together instead of being at each other's throats they probably could have saved Clara. They they would have made it much further if if they brought their information together and used it to figure out what happened to Clara they would have realized that Clara became the architect of this thing. Right. But because they only each had half the information instead of trying to work together they hated each other and neither of them could solve the, the ultimate riddle.
1: Well, it's, it's something they touch on in the documentary um as well, and it's just like when it when it was concluded, a lot of them sat there and were like, Did we lose? yeah or we or did we not get the answer right And I think they portrayed that really well in dispatches because it, it kind of seemed similar to that like they spent so much time out at each other's throats they completely missed
0: the answer to the question right even though they all came to the same conclusion they were they know. were so it's focused on the hot. game that they missed the meaning behind it and it kind of shows it it ends in this party for all the participants and you see most of them are well adjusted and now they've realized it's a game and they're just like chatting and and kind of reliving it to each other how they went through the game and our four main characters they just can't move on they they know it's still there they they, they don't want to lose what made them special for these few weeks they they feel like if they move past this they're all just going to go back to their lives they're going to not really interact with each other anymore and they don't know how to face that well and peter especially because yes he lost his job like
1: he threw himself completely spoiler sorry into <laughs> yeah. into this situation and you know it's I
0: feel like if you're still sad. listening at this point you've been uh, pretty much spoiled
1: so. Yeah, or, or you've watched the show and you want to listen to people talk about it like I did.
0: Yeah, uh, but and that's why we're talking
1: about it. Exactly, and I mean it. was uh, it was tough to see Peter, especially kind of, and they all had similar reactions to their initial standpoint in the game.
0: Like Peter was, like, I hope this is real, and could not let go. No, Simone he made like it. The, he made it real because it wasn't real. He made it real. Simone was the one, I think, that moved on. Well, that's not true, and we'll, we'll talk about... Let's talk about where they ended up later, because I have okay. that later. Sure. Um, and I don't want to step on our own toes. But there is nothing on the internet really about this, so we might be the uh, the Jejeune Institute experts at this point, once this is all said and done.
1: We're going to bring it back, bro.
0: Yeah, nobody else is talking about it on the internet, so...
1: Shit. squared. Um...
0: Uh, so how were participants recruited for the game Uh, this is kind of the same in both cases in the show and in real life the organizer placed these random flyers around town with intriguing skills to learn or studies to join just like this weird shit that you wouldn't think is real Um, they had one for learning to communicate with dolphins they had one for turning memories into media they had one for a time camera which is said to produce trans-time images. So if, like, you take a picture of the street, right? It'll the the printout that you get is that street throughout decades of what it looked like in the 40s, the 50s. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, stuff that's obviously
1: not real, but at the same time, it's like.
0: Hmm. well what if it is real
1: exactly i it's would like, like to
0: speak to dolphins that is in the realm of possibility I mean, just they, call they've done weirder shit yeah well and, here's the best case scenario i learned how to talk to dolphins worst case scenario i waste an hour of my life realizing this was a stupid thing and i have that settled once and for all i yeah. can't talk to fucking dolphins there's no mid, way mid case scenario you end up inducted into a fake game that sends you on a months-long rabbit hunt straddles the line
1: of cult maybe yes <laughs> But one thing that really kind of tripped up a lot of these people when they were getting inducted is, like, they would take their same route or, you know, something they were familiar with relatively, but they were closed off to. And then they'd go back later or something like that, and it's just filled with these flyers. So it's something that really throws off their – so it's jarring. Their initiation is jarring from the get-go. It's, you know, a stick in the spokes
0: in in the show that it almost feels targeted at peter because he comes across a flyer that says have you seen this man and the man is the man hanging the flyers literally in front of peter um and he's hanging he's hanging the dolphin communicating one of the the memories to media one and then he hangs one that says have you seen this man and peter's like been following him for the last 10 feet or whatever and so that that's kind of what intrigued peter is because to him it felt targeted and I'm sure to a lot of these people, it it felt that way. It felt like, okay, I've never seen these before. I see them now. They must be for me.
1: Right. You, you haven't gotten acquainted with the larger network yet. Mm-hmm. And I, that, the way they portrayed it in the show was just, that felt super eerie to me. Like I almost thought they were going to go... Like, like okay, aliens. This be, yeah. yeah, this may be even more real now. Well, what and that
0: was fuck? part of the setup uh, from the marketing campaign for the show. Is is that scene of of Peter seeing all the flyers, and kind of chasing that guy away, was was one of the ads that played for the show and got me really intrigued. Of like, okay, what really is going on? Why is this guy hanging a flyer of himself and then running off? Yeah. What kind of Okay, is it
1: what is going on in Philly? Yeah.
0: A lot of weird stuff goes on in philly let me tell you uh so but then after they would respond to the flyer they're invited to an induction ceremony where they are introduced to the june institute and tasked with helping find Ava slash clara and while there they also get a notice to to not follow the institute but to uh join the elsewhere society or the elsewhere public works association uh whatever it is. Um, and and that the the Shijun institute is evil and commander 14 is the only one that can save them now blah 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 so they get both messages at the same time and that's kind of when they're set up to choose a side pick a color which which side do you think you would have chosen so let's take it you're you're peter you go into the induction you watch the video by octavio octavio i can't say his name right octavio spencer esquire um or octavio coleman Esquire. Esquire. You watch that video, you, you find out what happens, and then you get a call immediately from Commander 14 telling you to get out of there. They're evil. Who do you believe? Fucking Commander
1: 14, for sure. That's how every action movie starts.
0: Oh, especially in the movie. show, because he's getting like direct text messages to his cell phone with instructions of what to do. So you, he really feels like he's being watched and like that there's a higher power at work here.
1: Um, there's legit someone dragging him along.
0: I think, I I think if I were in the show, I'm going with Commander 14. But in in real life, it was a little more subtle, the the um the tension between the two sides, and I think I would kind of try and play the fence as much as possible until I learned out a little bit more information. Yeah, but the way I, I think I would end up on the elsewhere public works though, either way. It, they didn't. I would have been rushed right there. I would have been like, fine, okay, 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 okay
1: sure. I'm just gotten the fuck out of there.
0: Yeah, that's true. All right, so let's talk about what happened during the game, both in the show and in real life. So in real life, um, again, there's we both have blog links. We'll include them in the show notes um, that you can kind of follow through somebody's actual day in the life of going through the game. Uh, but they could kind of work at their own pace following these clues throughout the three years um, the clues were set up in san francisco you know you could start one weekend and then just do nothing for several weeks in a row and as long as you ended it before the end was coming in 2011 you were fine Uh, but the clues would be given through maps notes um, audio and video street art and so much more stuff just around san francisco and each one led further and further down the rabbit hole and i think like once you get to a certain point you know there's no turning back on it
1: yeah because i mean it starts it's intricate
0: it's very well thought out and it's when you put a lot of work into it to to get to certain points
1: oh yeah exactly well to figure things out it's got that gratification factor Mm -hmm. where it's like okay this was hard and i figured it out that's pretty fucking like they had radio
0: stations and get to this point to hear this special message
1: and then it actually works
0: and and the whole time again you don't necessarily know that it's a game you think it's real. You're being recruited to help the secret society figure something out.
1: Well, I've never and, heard of a game like that. Most and, people and when, are just, in a world of resources, when everything comes down to dollars and cents, it's just like, yeah,
0: this doesn't, you know. You know, why, why would somebody spend millions of dollars to set up this game? Right. Like they, they, they need my help. Like you, I, at some point you'd say they need my help more than I can go about my own life at this point. And I need to dedicate myself to helping them. And everything I've done so far works. So maybe I do have the divine nonchalance, right? Maybe maybe I do have this something special because everybody wants to be special. And that was Peter's whole thing is he got recruited. And he allowed himself to be recruited because they promised him he would be special. They told him he was special. Right. I mean, they're just like, you are special guy. And he's like, cool. All right. So the the final step in the game was to meet up with seven other random players and complete uh, several final tasks through working together with these strangers. They were kind of like trust exercises and um, like you'd have to say certain phrases, but you had to say your part and then somebody else would say their part. And then you would have to say another and then the third person would say something. So you, you all seven had to kind of or all eight, sorry, had to work together to solve this final clue. And none of you knew each other before you got to this place, and a lot of them said, um, I saw it in the documentary, I saw it in this blog post that I read, like, there was a funeral going on when they showed up, and still no one knows if that was part of the game or if that was real. Yeah, that is fucking weird. And and they were, like, all trying to be respectful because there's a funeral, because it's at uh, a mausoleum, and, you know, they're trying to be respectful of this funeral going on. They don't want to step on anyone's toes, but they also, like, are at the end of the game, they want to finish it.
1: Well, and they're in a super unique place. This mausoleum is made of books.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: everyone's ashes are, are in books or are books. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. And the, the way they describe it, it's, it's, it's a, a symbol of the game. You know, it has right. these weird twists and turns, and then these small places turn to big places and so on. And I so feel forth.
0: like you would have to have a yearly meetup. Like after you finish, you get those eight people on a group chat, and you're having a yearly meetup at that place
1: regardless yeah, of if you discuss. Yeah, or something. Yeah.
0: Like, hey, let's go. That's what I mean. Like, you don't have to be best friends with them, but, like, you gotta meet back with these people every every so often now. Fuck yeah. Uh, so, the game ended with a quote-unquote socio-reengineering seminar uh, put on by the Jejun Institute, and it was actually led by uh, this performance artist, and it included surveys and questionnaires and exercises and trust exercises and dancing and kind of all these silly games and activities that you'd associate with like a corporate retreat team building type bullshit yeah oh god so no, they look- go through a whole day of this at a hyatt or a hilton or something in, in a hotel in san francisco and then at the end of this they kind of just drop the bag and they're like okay no this was real and that they they took the time they did take the time to explain the game and answer questions. Um, the, the blog posts I read said a lot of the hardcores just kept grilling them and grilling them on, like, where's Ava? What's going on? Like, we need real answers. You guys are obviously lying. Not... They didn't want to accept that they've been lied to for the past three years. They wanted to them to just be lying now in this moment. And, like, there's still more to go. They didn't want the right. game
1: to be over. They still hadn't, you know... They still looked at it
0: adversarially. So it's like, oh, you're on the opposite side. You're lying to be... Right. Um... And even as... As part of that last retreat, like, if, if you were on the side of elsewhere, you were supposed to go in and steal something from this little room, and uh, if you were on the Jejun side, you were supposed to stop everybody from uh, kidnapping Octavio Coleman, and so, like like you said, when the game ended, everybody's just like, wait, <laughs> we didn't do anything that was right, and the, the little balls that they were supposed to... Steal were uh, like balls of tea, and they just put them in their drinks and start drinking them. Like, that's how fucking people die.
1: Well, I mean, in the way he, this performance artist did it, too, was really odd because he's basically telling the crowd after he's got them all inducted, you know, put the ball of random herbs in the glass. Yeah, of just water. put
0: the ball that you stole out of the office that you're no one's supposed to know you stole, but I know you stole. Uh, put that in in your glass of water. You'll be fine. Trust me. It's like let me drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, this could have <laughs> easily turned into several thousand people dying in a Hyatt.
1: Yeah, no shit. In San know Francisco. Like,
0: eh.
1: Well, fuck, dude. And if they hadn't kind, con- I think if they took it any further,
0: people would have gotten hurt, like seriously hurt. Well, there was some in- intimidation by the hardcores and you know people who didn't want to believe that it was anything other than the face value that they were given you know people who treated it as a game sometimes got intimidated or bullied and and same even with like the the two opposing sides like there was real animosity between them and there was harassment between them on on occasion so it it could have definitely escalated and i think that probably serves to some point of why they're like okay it's been long enough we we need to stop this
1: yeah they say we ran out of money you know we're gonna run well, out of money this i can that. imagine that happened too yeah no shit but at the same time it's just like mm, i feel like animosities are, are starting to grow people are gonna start shooting and we don't
0: want that luckily was san francisco if this was texas people would have been dying
1: left and oh, right. oh fuck yeah dude oh my god if this was genuinely philly yeah it'd be over <laughs>
0: so uh in dispatches from elsewhere it kind of follows the same route um it, it did seem a little quicker it didn't seem like it it was three years maybe a couple weeks couple months at most it seemed um, like about a year yeah maybe a year that's that's probably good and the the clues seemed to be uh, prompted to the participants a little bit better like it wasn't you had to figure this thing out it was you sat and waited and then your cell phone rang and it was like go to this place and that was it and then you figured it out from there I, I, to me, it seemed like in the real life thing, it was uh, like a Ron Swanson scavenger hunt where each clue led to the next clue, and you had to keep figuring things out. And if you didn't figure them out, then you're just done with the game. Right. Like they're not they're not chasing after you to make sure you're staying in the game and staying interested.
1: Well, they're not giving you things that only you would notice. It was very blanket. Right. Like like you said, it felt very individualized, especially with like Peter.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the the players had to follow the clues throughout Philly, and they had to discover the mystery behind Claire's disappearance, just like in the real life. Um, the this game uh, forced each participant to choose sides, Jejun versus elsewhere. Um, even within their group of four, that group of four had to choose, all right, who are we going with? Who are we gonna believe? And it was, I thought this was cool how they set it up is Fredwin and Janice were sent on their first mission, to kind of see how great jejun was right and uh peter and sydney were sent on the other side to see how great elsewhere is and to see what a piece of shit octavia coleman was and how terrible of an organization jejun is and so when they came back together they already had uh dissenting views and they had to figure out all four of them they had to make a choice of what they were going to do
1: Right, and at the same time, they all kind of, they're like, well, we're a team, so we right. got to stick in this together. Yeah. Let's take a consensus. You know, the group right. has, the, has to have a consensus.
0: I think this was a very unique group that I, we chose to follow in that they were able to come to that consensus. I think a lot of groups, and, and I think that's part of what the show is trying to say, is a lot of groups would stop right there, and the, those two would go that way, and those two would go that way, and they're not a team of four anymore. Now they're two teams of two.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, so. And, and that was part of Jason Siegel's message is that your community can help you solve problems, not – if you break it every little disagreement, you're just going to go further and further away from your goals. So you, you need to rely on your the, the community that you have. Right. You know, don't – there's – you don't have to go it alone. Right. And I think we'll get more into Jason Siegel's mind space at the end because that that's something – almost completely separate from this, but within this.
1: Right. Within this framework.
0: Right. And then, so spoilers, each side, uh, the Jejun side and the Elsewhere side, they worked separately toward Claire's discovery, only to end up in the same place, as you pointed out earlier. Half were there to protest and to to stop whatever Jejun was doing. The other half was there to help Jejun accomplish their goal. Um, And after there was like a final in uh, Dispatches from Elsewhere, there was a show. It was supposed to be like this stage show that was put on. Uh, which Peter ruined completely because he didn't want to give up on the game. <laughs> Everybody else figured it out and like are trying to stop Peter. And he's like, no, no, no. I got to find Clara. I got it. Don't <laughs> worry. This is real. Very, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall character, Jason Siegel going up there. Yeah. And he's a, I,
1: I mean, I half expected someone to be like, show me your dick.
0: <laughs> no, that, that happened in the, uh, the final episode. Right. Uh, um, so after after the final show everyone's invited to a party to talk about what they experienced through the game how they learned it and just kind of be together and and like they all survived this thing together and now they want to revel in it you know which i thought was kind of a cool thing i agree i thought that 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 was it's better than an all-day seminar where at the end it's like oh game's over go home yeah bye drink this tea first though
1: they, yeah exactly it, from this fucking weird guru hang out under this hot ass parachute touch each other but I I thought it was great that they kind of developed lasting connections like it's it's almost what the game should have been um in regards to like connecting people with their community but I don't think they I think the running out of money thing kind of stopped them yeah, from actually achieving I, I that I think
0: that was almost an unintended consequence of the real life game uh, because in this this thing that I read, the woman says that you know she made some friends and she knows some of these people better than she knew lifelong friends that she met at the retreat or you know at that, that final task. Um, and she does keep in contact with some of them. So it, it strengthened the community in a way, but I think that was more of an un, unintended consequence. I, I think the main uh, crux of it was to discover the city in a way you haven't seen it before look at the at least in real all life. around you yeah in dispatches from elsewhere in the game Clara created or Lee created that was definitely a consequence was to involve yourself within community to help solve your problems and that's very heavy in the final episode that focuses on Jason Siegel yeah big time. Um, so let's talk about some of the tasks that the players had to accomplish Yeah, got to dance with Sasquatch that was super cool when i first saw that i was just like "What the was fuck like, is going on because it was like it was like teen wolf sasquatch right it, it wasn't it, it looked like yeah, a dude it, in a suit yeah it, it was very weird and and you were still it was the second episode you're still unsure or it was the first episode i think
1: yeah it was the first episode uh
0: you're still unsure if this was a game or if this was a real thing or if aliens were involved or what's going on it's some high level conspiracy you don't know and now here's sasquatch just fucking jamming with a boombox.
1: yeah and you know there's a payphone, and he's getting weird commands and shit it was just it was really yeah. uncomfortable
0: and and those are both things that happen in the real life system as well uh you know you've got to follow clues through these systems of tunnels and like houses that you don't know are there um one thing was to join a protest against the institute or uh, stop the protest like counter protest at one point um depending on which side you picked You could. uh, This was my favorite part. I think was the when Peter and Sydney were chasing down the elsewhere lead. The first time they go into Clara's old home place, like her little home village uh, within Philly, and town. They, they thank you. They found all this cool street art that kind of told this story if you looked at it from the right angles and put things together perfectly. Like, I thought that was really cool and that was also part of, not, not quite that elaborate, but that was part of the San Francisco game as well.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really fucking neat too. The, it, it brought more realism to it.
0: Mm-hmm. The hardest, the, the thing that was hardest for me to watch was the, in, in Dispatch of Or was the Memories to Media expi- uh, exhibition that they did with, janice it was very hard to watch and that was the first time that we got to see behind the curtain we met lee in that episode we didn't know she was the architect at that point she was just like the uh uh, fredwin yeah she fredwin suspected she was the director of this farcical show that jejun was putting on for the benefit of the participants to get them to believe in what jejun is doing and i mean she was but she also wasn't and it we just get that peek behind the curtain and how they were manipulating her memories and her social media pages to show her these things that happened in her life that she thought were memories and to show the world. And they like made her express her feelings in front of this huge crowd. And it was, it was very heartbreaking to watch Sally field did an amazing job though.
1: She was fucking amazing. This whole series, but th- and the way they portrayed it is her younger self is much more brash and stuff like that. So she's revealing, aspects of herself that mm-hmm. she ha- she is hidden behind you know layers this facade almost because she's it's very heavily she's at,
0: she's almost sunken into her husband's life rather than because she wanted 100 she wanted to be this great achiever when she was younger and then all of a sudden she's sunken into her husband's life and not not in a bad way in a way that she's happy and she has children and her she feels somewhat fulfilled but she's also let go of that part of herself and she's almost, after that experience, she's haunted by the ghost of her past self, trying to get her back to that.
1: Yeah, she, you know, she has a want to, uh, she's almost like a bad girl. Like, she a little bit. She, she kind of implied that she hooked up with other chicks, and she was did some questionable things. Yeah. But I, you know, and having her just belt this out in front of a bunch of strangers, and the way they manipulated it to make sure it was her, and she manipulated them too. I don't know. It's so fucking confusing yeah. at times. Uh,
0: every so let's talk about the participants because every character in Dispatches from Elsewhere perfectly played. Um, the actors all do an amazing job, um, and it's the main focus of Dispatches from Elsewhere is who are the participants and how do they react. You've got Fredwin who's the guy that takes it too far, and um, you know he took it so seriously. Thinking it's this data mining conspiracy, and he can't let it go. He dips into some coma, oh, like thought coma, almost. His his uh, what does he call it? Uh, like, it's, his blank space or something like that. It's it's, it's almost like the a sunken space. place. Yeah, it's almost like the sunken place and get out, where he can yes. just escape to and basically remember everything because of he blocks everything else out and he gets almost stuck there.
1: It's like Batman detective mode from the Arkham games. Right, that's a good way to See put it. See clues everywhere and shit.
0: And then in real life, uh, you pointed out in the documentary, there's this guy that's all shaded and uh, he was the the main hardcore who just would never let the game stop. And he was the one, he was harassing other people on the other side, harassing people who didn't want to take it too seriously. And a lot of people had issues with him. Yeah, a lot of people did not speak highly of him. And I want to know if he was in a wheelchair before or after. Like did Yeah, he... it, it seemed like it almost contributed. Like he took it so far that he injured himself in some way and got but stuck. like
1: really... Badly, and, and, I mean, was he in a wheelchair? Or well, I, things, I, I think this
0: is what you were kind of hinting at is when he comes on, that's when your suspension of disbelief is kind of gone. Is like, this almost seems like one step too far. Like just to have the hardcore guy there, not like he went so far that he got injured and is paralyzed for the rest of his life. Like it's almost like they, they took it too far to see if we would catch it. I or mean, maybe. I'm not saying it didn't really happen. Then. It might have happened. I'm just, that's how the documentary kind of presents it to us.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, they they were to, to, totally open with every other person that participated in, like, you know, the guy that created it and shit like that. But this guy's blacked out, voice changed. It was mm-hmm. almost like another little red herring.
0: It was, yeah. Ugh, very, the, the documentary is very strange. And, like, if, if I found out in ten years that none of this was real, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I get that.
1: That makes sense. Um,
0: There were you know participants that thought everything was real a lot of the real life participants thought it was real up to the point that it wasn't like when that curtain came down at the hyatt they're like oh shit all right (laughs) and that would be a weird feeling to just go back through the last several months years of your life and be like so all this shit i did was literally for nothing and why did i focus so hard on it
1: well i honestly i think it would be worth it I mean, this oh, is yeah, me personally, I, but it, a lot of these people genuinely felt a sense of wonder evidenced by the fact they made it to the end to see the curtain fall.
0: I agree with that. And, and I think looking back on it a week down the road after you after you find out what's going on, you would see it like that. You would see, well, it really did open my eyes to a lot of things. But I think right at that moment, you're just like, well, fuck, that was a waste of time. Right. And yeah, probably. I think the people who had some skepticism the whole time and when the curtain finally fell, I think they would still have that feeling right away of like, I knew it was fake, but it was fun to go through. Um, It was a, it was this experience that I have now for the rest of my life. It would just, it, it would be, be a gu- huge gut punch. And we see that oh. with Peter. Peter's the quintessential example of this, of he gets punched in the gut with, it's not real. And instead of accepting that, he goes up on stage tears the whole thing down and, and tries to tell everyone they're being lied to or something
1: well he crashes and burns
0: yeah because that that's it, the only play he has left he doesn't have a job he has nothing he he has to make it real
1: I mean that he that's Peter now mm-hmm. it's he's completely you know he was this blank canvas just white blank canvas hanging out in the store and then someone finally picked him up and took him home did a little doodle but didn't quite finish it and he mm-hmm. wants to be finished god damn it
0: uh, a lot of the participants in real life, they became afraid for themselves and for Ava, you know, before they found out she wasn't real. Um, and this, it, it didn't only come at the, the hands of the game and the, the essence of the game, but some of the hardcore participants put real pressure on some other people and, uh, you know, into and, and, and finding Ava. And that was, that, that wouldn't be a fun part of it, like coming across one of these guys no. and having to deal with their nonsense. I would fist fight them. I'd be like, dude, back the fuck up. Wait, like, come on now. It'd basically be like uh, coming across a star, a Reddit Star Wars fan in real life and, and trying to discuss the merits of the sequel trilogy with them.
1: A, a never
0: masker. Oh, that's worse. Yeah. If you're not wearing a that's mask, a... fuck you. Just yeah, wear that's a mask. Good it's not that hard. Uh, so when my wife and i were watching the institute documentary she didn't really watch Dispatches from elsewhere with me i was watching it most of the time and, and she would kind of like tune in and out of it and ask questions as she'd come in and out but then she watched the documentary with me because she felt more interested in that her main takeaway was it looks like it's a bunch of nerdy white people with nothing better to do
1: i think you dude, your wife sounds cool <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. That's
0: what this game <laughs> was, I think. That's
1: fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> she yeah, she was very cool. Thank you. In in San Francisco, with they all think they're artists. Yeah,
0: artists. in the doc, I don't remember seeing any black people in the documentary. There might have been one
1: out of like twenty people. There the was not. A, 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 there was the one black dude was yeah. in on the whole thing. <laughs> the one black guy.
0: It's definitely something that nerdy white people do on a Saturday afternoon. They they've got no kids they've got no pets, they're nothing, they're just sitting there with nothing to do, and they're like, hey, let's go find Ava!
1: Yeah, no shit, sure. that's something white folks would do, for sure. Like, oh, let's go on this quest!
0: Alright, so let's talk about the goal of the game. Uh, in real life, they wanted to discover what happened to Ava, uh, how the DeJune Institute and the Elsewhere Public Works Agency were involved with whatever happened to her. Um, Institute participants had to protect Octavia Coleman and the Orb... And the uh, Elsewhere Public Works Agency had to kidnap Octavio or steal the orb, and steal the orb, uh, which was just a ball of tea, apparently. <laughs> the, the, the real goal was to encourage innovation and community involvement while exploring unexplored parts of the city. Uh, taking yourself out of your phone and, and realizing what's going on around you.
1: Right, but doing it in a way that feels
0: completely unique to you. Right. Where it's something that it's just like it's so unique. And with purpose. You're, exactly. you're not just when they... you're not just stopping to look at the building that you pass every day. Like there's a message on that building. You need to find it.
1: Right, and it sends you on another errand. But I love the way they opened it, where it's like you need to sneak past security out of this building, at you know take this route. Mm-hmm. They have to find clues to escape. But you know, in the back of their minds, I don't genuinely think they probably thought
0: that they were in any danger. The one woman... I mean, that was really cool. The woman whose blog i read i'm trying to find the quote she said uh this was the best part of um her first day um she called it jejuning uh but they go to the office where you're supposed to be inducted and they got up there and there's nobody there like nobody's answering the door Uh, let me see if i can find it All right, so uh, the the woman wrote this article. She says during the quest we found a detective's office that, and he was searching for a woman named Ava who had vanished. She said this is one of the best moments of the day actually because the floor where the office was hap- uh, where the office was happened to be. That's what she wrote, not me. I happened to be closed the Saturday we were trying to go, and so while we were looking for a way to go up the elevator. A gal in the shop near us yelled, there's no detective up there. It doesn't exist. I don't know why you people keep looking for that office. (laughs) So, like, this woman in the shop next door is just completely sick of this shit already. Day one, baby. Obviously, they didn't pay her off well enough yet. Or
1: did they? Ooh. You know, saying that a hundred times, you'd be like, fuck it. Here's a letter. Yeah. (laughs) leave Leave it when you're done. I gotta give it to the other fuckers.
0: Um, so the the goal in Dispatches from Elsewhere was to, again, discover what happened to Clara and how Jejeune and Elsewhere Society are involved in that. Um, it, it was also set up to encourage creativity and a sense of wonder and to work with others to accomplish a common goal. Uh, more community involvement here than in the real life one, which was about discovering the undiscoverable. Yeah. Or the indiscoverable, I guess it would be. How do you think the creators feel about the game after it was complete? And maybe it was mentioned in the documentary, but I don't really remember it. If they felt it was successful or not?
1: I don't think that. I think they felt it was unfinished. Mm-hmm. Um, just I think they was they thought it was successful in the sense they set out what they set out to do, which was. I think they opened people you know, up, like they. I, they definitely opened people up, but I mean, Ava was real to this, the creator mm-hmm. of you know the original game uh and i think he honored her memory and the way he saw fit but they you know the guru dude and the guy who created it both said the same thing like we ran out of money and we need to bring it to a conclusion this year like it needs to end but i don't think they genuinely wanted to you
0: no know, and, and it seems like i'm sure like... They enjoy the shit yeah i i feel like you could if if this was as successful as you wanted it to be i feel like you could raise money again off the back of it and and start a new instance of it and i didn't see anything of that happening um and now after this adaptation has been made and it, you know it was it was a good show it has good reviews good ratings um overall on imdb it's 6.6 really I figured it would be higher than that because it, yeah, it it's, it's, it's enjoyable i think it I think it loses people in the last episode which is very intrinsic and only about Jason Siegel's life it doesn't actually have anything to do with the game that they're playing and, and that journey it, it breaks off and goes very personal for Jason Siegel and I, I think that turned a lot of people off to it
1: of I like saying this is a great show I, I had to watch it so the first time I was just like the fuck is this man and the second time it resonated
0: yeah it, I mean I, I picked it up probably about a quarter of the way through, then I'm like, okay, th- this just isn't part of the show anymore. This is now Jason uh, exploring his own inner demons and and finding that catharsis that he needs. Uh, it, it doesn't have to anything to do, because the first like 15 minutes of it, I'm like, okay, well, this person is really this person, but they're talking to Jason, not Peter, and Peter's doing this, and it's, it's this game within the game, and he was this clown kid the whole time. I'm like... I was just like, no, it's not connected. It's not like you have to take yourself away from that.
1: It's part of the reason I had to watch it twice. I was just like, Jesus. Once
0: once you realize that's not really connected, then it's much easier to go, okay, what is Jason trying to say about himself?
1: Right. And, you know, by extension, you the watcher.
0: Right. How do you think the participants felt after participating? I I know in the institute um, we get a lot of testimonials from them. A lot of them felt That they were duped, or that they just didn't complete the game right and lost. Um, Some felt kind of depressed afterwards, and we see that in the show as well. They couldn't get past the fact that they spent two years obsessing over something that ultimately didn't matter. Um, uh, Someone likened it to, well, it was a really good book, but the ending flop. Uh, And then there, you know, there was a lot of them. I think the majority just felt it was a fun experience, and they made some friends along the way.
1: Yeah, it was very. They're never going to experience something like that anywhere else or at any other point in time in their lives I think a lot of people kind of learn something from it which was live in the goddamn moment like recognize what you just finished whether you you know liked it or didn't whether it's real or not and move on from there
0: yeah let's let's focus on the book was good but the ending flopped because I, I think that's important because the ending was stupid of the real life game they brought everybody for a, a corporate team building seminar in a hotel conference room and then, you know, pulled the curtain down on them. I, I think people would have been able to accept it more if they went somewhere fun, like, or just not even fun, just not a hotel conference like room. Like, a hotel Mauser conference William room is one of the worst places to be for anything. Um, it's like getting up that,
1: you know, cold cup of coffee at the gas station. Yeah. on a 12 hour drive it's just not
0: the place you want to be ever and and then to go through a full day of this stuff to have the curtain fall but like if you if they bring you to like a public park and are just like the game's not real uh this was all a social experiment you guys did wonderfully uh ava's not real don't worry about going after her does anyone have any quiet like answer the question did just that last part where they explain the game and answer questions They're like you're free to have the rest of your day we got a barbecue going over here. Yeah, let's we got, this say, we got and, sandwiches. And I think the show did a good job of that. Like, they were they were trying to put on this this stage show, which looked like it wouldn't have been very long. Um, It definitely wasn't a corporate retreat. It was just, you know, they were going to act out what happened to Clara as we saw through these flashbacks. Uh, they were going to react that out, and then they threw a party. Like, that's a much better ending, and I think if that was the ending in real life, people would have been more accepting of it. You wouldn't have felt like you wasted two years you would have been okay i was duped but i had fun and we got to have a cool party at the end yeah, and fuck
1: these are some good ribs mm-hmm. so i mean i'm there for that I, I agree i think that would have been much it felt much more like a party it, they they just they had no money left i bet you they probably would have but they're like listen dude i'll pay you 500 bucks
0: hotel conference rooms are fucking expensive or more expensive than they should be plus they had to hire it, it this was, performance artist guy like I don't know. I think there's a better way you could have done it and ended it.
1: Make a, do a barbecue. Have Ron. Right. go get Tom, and you know butcher some shit and have a good time.
0: Right. And you're in a, if you're in a big public space like they doesn't cost anything. Well, if People want really to stay. Feel, they can stay. If they want know, to go play just, frisbee. They can go play frisbee.
1: Nice scuba, they got bro. Sun. They don't feel trapped.
0: Yeah. I I think they, they could have ended it a better way than they did, but. I, th- I think a lot of participants probably felt not necessarily accomplishment, but they, they got something out of it. They had a fun time. Definitely. Um, dispatchers from elsewhere. Uh, the, the main characters, most of them had a hard time moving on. And again, these are going to be spoilers. Um, I kind of went through each one and, uh, kind of tried to analyze what they were feeling at the end. Fredwin, he wouldn't let it go and drove himself crazy over it, he still thought it was this data mining conspiracy, even though they, they, shut everything down. They said it was nothing. He still thinks, well, they, they needed our information for something. Why did they recruit us? Um, and he eventually drives himself crazy. And the, the other three have to go kind of save him from that.
1: Yeah. Hey, Damner goes like catatonic. Mm-hmm. He's stuck in his little investigative state.
0: Right. And then you go to Sydney who she became, Simone. huh? Simone, Simone. I think I've been calling her Sydney this whole time.
1: I've said Simone every time after, and I don't have think you? you hear me. No, I, I haven't go, heard I, you. I just mumbled it in, <laughs> into the mic, probably. Like, All
0: right, Simone. Sorry, I'll go back sorry, and fix it. Did,
1: I didn't mean to yell. I feel
0: like a fucking no, asshole. No, that's good. I've been, I'm have been. i the asshole because I've been calling her the wrong name this whole time. Uh, Simone, who uh, she kind of became at peace with herself uh, to an extent. But she missed the excitement of the game. It it gave her a sense of purpose. It gave her something to do. It gave her people that accepted her for who she was uh, because she was still struggling with finding that in her real life. She had, as far as I could tell, she had just recently transitioned.
1: It seemed very recent. Mm -hmm. Or or, uh, it seemed like the everything was there except for the physical embodiment till recently right like the it seemed like the physical change was pretty recent right yes but you know the every other aspect was natural cuz she you know hangs out with her grandma or something and that was seemed very natural and she seemed very comfortable with it but it was almost like she missed everybody else like she she found something with herself like she achieved some sort of thing but without everybody else it just wasn't as good
0: well yeah and she found that these these three people accepted her for who she was no questions asked no because that's in in and i can't speak for transgender people i'm not a transgender person but i would assume and if you are a transgender person and want to correct me please feel free to do so I would assume that every time you meet a new person, you are you have constant anxiety over what they're thinking of you. Will they accept you? Do they know you're transgender? Do they care that you're transgender? And you have a million thoughts flying through your head. And none of that happened with these three people. They were just, yeah, boom, the into the game. And ready to hit the ground running. They didn't even bother to, to think what was going on with her, which is the point of acceptance that people want, is... You, you don't have to point out how huh, I'm different. I'm not different. I'm one of you. We're all in this together. Um, yeah, so she found that and then, and she she realized she could have that and she was okay at that point with, with her own personal life, but the, the game brought the excitement to her life. There was nothing that excited her in her life like the game did.
1: She was very similar to Peter in that regard.
0: Right. Peter, again, just could not get past the game. And this was more because of what he lost in no longer he wasn't able to spend time with his new friends anymore. He he wanted the game to be real and to keep going, so he had an excuse to keep spending time with these people.
1: Yeah, to continue to be spontaneous and you know experience. Right, because that wasn't his lifestyle. Yeah, he just he couldn't force himself out of his comfort zone. He needed the cattle prod.
0: Exactly. Um, and then you have Janice who she was the one who adjusted best after the game was over. She actually kind of got back to her original self. Um, she wanted to be more outgoing. Um, she started taking college courses. She be- started to become more productive. Her husband died within the, the span of the game at some point. And um, she became who she wanted to be again. And the game helped her get there. And it, it, uh, that's kind of why I like the show is because it, it, it showed positive outcomes and negative outcomes of how this game affected people. It wasn't just like, well, everybody was shit afterwards. Yeah, it just and then it was over. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's the important question: Would you participate in a game like this? I think I already know the answer. Hundred fucking
1: percent, like hundred and fifty percent. I would pay to be in a game like this.
0: Would you make it all the way to the end if it lasted three years?
1: Hell no. <laughs> My daughter would be almost. She'd be four and a half. If like say I I went and started this game tomorrow, and if if I was
0: well, I don't think the people who were
1: in the game were active for three years. Right. Um, I mean, if I could devote, I think a lot of people like dropped
0: off for a while, and then the ending was coming, and they and they all of a sudden got renewed interest in it because they got this message that the ending was coming.
1: That'd probably be something I would do honestly, because it's I don't know if I didn't have like a wife and a daughter, I would be probably really into it. Like I probably follow every step of the way.
0: Right. But alas. I <laughs> I would go one of two ways. I i would definitely be into it no matter what. I would show up first day ready to go. But there's also a really good chance that I would give up after the first day. I'd just be like, fuck it. <laughs> I would I would be like super into it. I'd be going first day. Alright, let's follow these clues. Let's find them. Alright. And then when I got to the end of the first day and I'm like, wait, alright, it's fucking nine o'clock. We got another clue. Who knows how long it's gonna take us to find this? let's just get back at it next weekend i there's a really good chance i wouldn't show back up next weekend right it's like they didn't even feed me yeah it's fucking bullshit um if if i somehow made it past that hump i made it through the first day i went back a second weekend third weekend all right i'm into it i would definitely get obsessive over it not quite went obsessive but maybe like peter obsessive um I, where i I would eschew a lot of things in my normal life to focus on what's going on in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely like wouldn't quit my job or anything, but I f if I didn't have anything else. I would not be
0: trying very hard at my job for quite some time.
1: Yeah, if I could avoid Yeah. I'd be getting the bare minimum done
0: at work while letting my mind wander into what's going on with the game.
1: Letting my mind wander to elsewhere.
0: Ooh. Nice. Dang. It's tagline for this episode. Love it. We don't really do like taglines for episodes, so. We're not losers. Well, okay. Uh, so all right, you said you would participate if if it was this game specifically. Which flyer ad would get you to pull the tab and call the number?
1: Uh, shit. Um, honestly, the the talking to dolphins one was super interesting.
0: I would think that's too fake. I don't think that would ever get me. Just be like, nah, this is just somebody fucking with me.
1: But for real though, dolphins,
0: porpoises, dolphins are super
1: smart. I, I know think. they are, but
0: like I, I just, I don't think it would be real.
1: They have, they have their own way of communicating. Like they have a language, man.
0: Oh, so I it's know. something
1: where they'd be my sea buddies. We'd like, hey.
0: I mean, that would be a cool thing if it were real. But I would have a hard time believing that that flyer's real.
1: I would teach them the English language, and I'd say, get me that treasure. Go get me some of this treasure, and I will give you all the fish you could ever want
0: so long and thanks for all the fish uh, so long,
1: Goodbye.
0: Uh, I think for me it would be the memories to media flyer um, I just think that would be a really cool thing to experience to actually le- actually relive your memories to, to see what you did in the past and I think it would also solve a ton of arguments between me and my wife because like we're <laughs> constantly like she thinks she said something and she didn't say that thing and i think she didn't say that thing but she did and it's like okay wait we, we have no idea we're just waiting for uh our five-year-old to get a little bit more coherent of what we're saying and then she can settle the arguments for us but right. i mean media we're memories to, to media would, would do that for us We'd be like nope just plug the thing into your ear here we go nope you didn't you know that, say it
1: i would really enjoy that but i would get lost in it
0: oh absolutely
1: I mean, I've lost some people in my life. I'd probably be like, I really would like to have a conversation with them.
0: Yeah, I don't know how many memories I would actually want to relive, but there would definitely be some ways to get lost.
1: Is it optional? Like, what what memory can you... Yeah, can I pick and choose? Can I go
0: like, all right, I want to go to this day in 2004 and see what I was doing. I want to
1: go to, you know, this day where I had 12 tackles and three sacks and I was fucking killing it. That'd, That'd be cool.
0: And could you see... Like, are you just reliving what you're doing? Is it, like, a first-person memory? Or is it, like, this omniscient memory where, like, all right, it's, let's say we're reliving that memory of a football game. Is it, like, Madden where you can see everything that's going on? You can see who's in the the stands. Maybe there was a girl looking at you that you didn't know was looking at you. Things Ayo. like that. Ooh, I
1: think it would be, you know, omniscient but more like a lucid dream.
0: Yeah. Okay. That'd be sweet. Now, let's talk about jason siegel and what he got out of making dispatches from elsewhere what it meant to him what he was looking to get because this is what the final episode of dispatches from elsewhere is all about it like we said it's not actually connected to the first nine episodes like if you get to the end of episode nine that's the end of the show but episode 10 is just a level for jason siegel to explore himself and explore what he needed to get out of it what did what did you feel he got out of it or, like, how did you feel about that episode? Uh,
1: like I said, I watched it twice. The first time I thought it was narcissistic as fuck.
0: That's what like, my wife really came did. away thinking of it. But she also didn't watch the whole show leading up to it.
1: And right. she didn't watch it, it, most
0: of that episode either.
1: Well, here's the key thing is I went in and out, and I know I missed, you know, bits and pieces right. of it. Because I was just, I was busy that day. And then I sat down and rewatched it again uh, later at night, you know, after my daughter went to sleep and I had some quiet. And I could focus on it. Then I, you know, I thought it was really, really well done. And what I think he found from it is some direction. Mm-hmm. I think he was just that that thing we've talked about already. It's just there's there's wonder out there. Go find it. You know, quit falling into that routine and just doing what you have to do to get by and wallowing in that self pity. Fucking just do it.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely that. Um he seemed to have lost his creative mojo and he had definitely become an alcoholic. Um, it seemed like writing movies about dick jokes only gets you so far. And and that wasn't creatively fulfilling for him anymore.
1: Yeah. And taking jobs just for the money.
0: Right. And, uh, as part of his recovery from his alcoholism that he sunk into, and it wasn't like raging alcoholic. It was just, he had nothing else going on in his life. So he drank a lot. Um, as part of that recovery he was tasked with writing something personal and for him this was a form of catharsis right he just put himself in this situation Um, he was able to explore himself and how he would react to situations if he were presented with a game like this how would he go through it what does he want out of it and that like you said finding the sense of wonder um I think he also came to the conclusion through this that um everyone has shit going on in their lives and although each person's shit is different it's actually all the same is a kind of what he came through Um, do you agree with that to an extent I'll, I'll extrapolate on it a little bit but with just that statement everybody's shit's different but it's all the same
1: Oh, I mean yeah dude it's we all got things going on and we all got feelings and you know it's I think if you can accept that fact, you can accept people as a whole. Because if you don't, otherwise they're just kind of shitty. They're right. you know, closed off and stuff like that.
0: Well, and, and that's isolated. that's what happened to him.
1: Is yeah, He became he, isolated. he
0: thought he had this unique problem, loss of creativity. He doesn't know what to do with his life, with his career moving forward. He He thinks this is a unique problem, special to him because of who he is, how early in his life he started his career, and how successful he was early in his life. And he doesn't think that he has anyone to reach out to. But kind of I think what he discovered through writing this and and through making the show is that even though your shit is unique and personal to you, uh, you don't think anyone will understand. You can actually lean on your friends and your community to help you through your shit because they might have not gone through this exact thing, but they've gone through some other shit that's unique and personal to them. Um, exactly and so he wanted to explore how this sense of community can always help you get through whatever shit is going on in your life and that reaching out is better than isolating and bottling up those feelings it's okay yeah they might not understand exactly this exact personal unique problem but that doesn't mean that they won't understand me and i think that's what he was going through when he slipped into this depression and alcoholism is he? He thought he was alone, and through his recovery, I think he realized that he wasn't. Well, I mean, he
1: really wanted to be someone other than the "Show me your dick" guy, right? You know, the full frontal dumb, goofy idiot, because he's obviously much more than that. He's very talented at a he's, lot of things. And he's an intelligent person.
0: I mean, you can see it when he's just talking. Plus, he's Vanilla Thunder, man. He could dunk. You fucking he's huge That dude is huge like you said he didn't want to be that guy anymore he wanted to do something different but he didn't know how to get to it and you see that in each character in dispatches from elsewhere Is they think each of their things is unique you know peter thinks he's just stuck in a rut and has this monotonous life that no one else will understand especially when he meets these three other people who seem to have much more fulfilling lives um seem messy Simone is you know transgender and and going through physically transitioning she doesn't have anyone she can talk to um and she doesn't know who she can can confide in uh Janice same thing her husband's dying she's made her whole identity about her husband for the past 40 years or whatever and she doesn't know what to do about that anymore her kids won't talk to her about it really and she's just stuck and she needs to find herself but again has no one to confide in except her husband who can't communicate and then Fredwin is a super genius who can't deal with anything without thinking it's this huge thing. And they all find through their journey through this that they can each help each other even though they don't know specifically what's going on. And so I, I think he did a really good job of portraying that and showing that you can work through your shit even though somebody might not know exactly what you're going through. But just a sense of community helps you get through it anyways.
1: I couldn't agree more
0: thank you that's all <laughs> that's all folks how much radius um you got anything else i don't think so if anyone knows of any alternate reality games that we can get involved in please let us know hit us on twitter at apa something at alone underscore podcast please do that'll be a lot of fun if you've seen dispatches from elsewhere and disagree with any of the points that we've made or were either a part of the jejun institute game in some form or fashion or watch the institute and know more about it than we do please let us know we are here for comments like we said we watched this documentary we watched this show we read a few articles on the internet that are there there's not many and we did the best we could but I'm sure there's more information out there we would love to hear it because this is still super interesting and it's always kind of like in the back of my mind ever since I watched the show and the documentary of like damn what what were people doing like that they just went and wasted all these weekends playing this game yeah it, or spent I, all of these weekends i should say not wasted. it we'll devoted all this time yeah. money and effort um so if you know more about it please let us know if you want to discuss the merits of dispatches from elsewhere or what jason siegel was feeling let us know we're here for it um thanks for listening all the music for podcasts about something is provided by those cats SS. stay classic.